But it's glad to be here. My name is Brian Stiverson. I'm one of the pastors on the lead team um, of pastors. And you'll hear a little bit more of that actually in the message, I think, if I get there. But I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to worship with you. I'm excited at what God is going to do. We're praying, we're crying out, give us faith to trust what you say. God has some amazing things in store for this church. I love this picture of, of, that Vincent Van Gogh did of sunflowers. Besides being one of my favorite painters, I love the big and bold colors. You remember Starry Night, right? Everybody knows Starry Night. Everybody says Vincent Van Gogh is their favorite painter, right? I have other ones, but I love him. I love those bright and bold colors, passion that he has. But as much as I love his painting, sunflowers weren't meant to be in a vase for display. You see, they were meant to be in a field together, wild flowers soaking up the sun. See, something unique about sunflowers is they follow the sun. In fact, even at night, as the sun is on the opposite side of the earth, the sunflower head is still moving in sync with the sun. So here's my really bad, bad scientific thing here to show you. So here's, you know, the sun going, or the earth going around the sun and all that stuff. And then picture the head of the sunflower and the sun's moving and the head of that sunflower is moving with the sun. Isn't that amazing? That was a scientific diagram for you, right? I should, I should do that as a living. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I should do that for a living, right? So, but picture, isn't it amazing? God's creation the head of the sunflower following the sun, even when it's on the opposite side of the earth, the head of that sunflower is still moving in sync with the sun. See, I think it's a beautiful picture of the church and the synergy. We are his sunflowers, all different sizes and shapes, meant to be together with our eyes on the sun. Not for display in a vase, inactive, waiting to die, but vibrant, living, following the sun. See what makes that picture so cool? Well, first of all, it was made by somebody in our fellowship. They're not here this morning, but Jamie Sedinsky made this. Isn't it amazing she did that? She's better than Vincent Van Gogh. She probably killed me for saying that. Like, you compare me to one of the masters. But I thought she did an amazing job with that picture. But what moves me about that is those sunflowers, they have a mission. All they got to do is follow the sun around. That's us. Same as us. We have a mission to live sent as we follow Jesus. But I felt God was saying to our people, to us, that my people are like those flowers in the vase. They're on display. They're not really doing much. They're just waiting to die. They've been plucked to the ground. And he wants the sunflowers to be together, to know how to live sin, to support each other, to seek his face. And that's why we want to do this once a month family gathering on Sunday nights. You heard a little bit of it in the video announcements. So today, I would like to paint a picture of the heart of what that means of this family gathering we're about to do. You see, the family gathering came about because we felt God is calling us together to seek how he wants us to live sent as the church. Live sent is the abbreviated to to say our mission statement. Our mission statement, and every church does this, is simply based on the Great Commission and Acts 1.8. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And we say, Live sent as the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus to touch our community and the world with the gospel. In Acts 1.8, he said, you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And every church takes the Great Commission in Acts 1.8, and they say, how do we say this? And basically, all we're saying is live sent. That means to go into all the world and make disciples. In its simplest form, live sent means this. 
It's to be intentional and obedient to join God where he is working in your neighborhood, job, D group, small group, your everyday life in general, wherever you are, that you're joining God intentionally. Let me give you an example of this because it looks different for everyone. Last week, I had the pleasure of meeting the leader, one of the leaders of the Friday morning men's group. They meet at, uh, at Bob Evans every Friday. So I was excited on Monday when I got to meet at Bob Evans because clearly I like Bob Evans kind of food. I'm into the comfort food, so. Man, I should have got an amen. You guys are all fit and trim and running. What's up with y'all? I need some amens for people like me that like Bob Evans. Thank you. You're just afraid to say something. That's all right. I'm with you. So on Monday, we met at Bob Evans for breakfast. And it was so cool. We sat down. And anytime I take somebody out to lunch or breakfast, I'm like, I'm going to take the check, you know, and try to get it before they can pay for it. And I say it up front to the waitress when we get to the table. But the waitress looked at him, and she wasn't doing anything I said. Because she had relationship with him. She knew him. Who do you think they were going to listen to when he's like, oh, don't, don't give the check to him. I'll take it. See, he had relationship with her. What was cool to see is that all the waitresses knew him from the Friday morning group. As we checked out and paid the lady at the register, she starts to update him about one of the waitresses battling cancel, cancer. Well, it was awesome to hear how this men's group living sent each Friday by praying for those waitresses and intentionally talking to them as they're meeting for Bible study and accountability. They could have been like, well, we're here to do our Bible thing and they're here to serve us. Don't disturb us, right? But no, they're living intentionally wherever they're doing. They're doing a Bible study. Hey, great. We're going to get to know the people around us at Bob Evans. I thought that was an amazing picture to live sin. They're living intentionally. Or last Sunday, you heard about Brandon and Vanessa with Scent Cafe. If you remember, if you were here, it's an amazing thing. They rally people around the arts and music and do projects in the community, building relationships intentionally. That's a picture of living sin. Mikey Littlejohn, who helps out with the whole thing in the, in the, the biker group that you're going to hear, hear a little bit more about in the back over there, was telling us the other day, he was just at a gas station and invited someone to come to church. That's living sin. Going to Honduras, that's living sin. It's fulfilling the great commission to go into all the world. And are you starting to see the diversity in living sin? It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. The Lord wants to bring us together in this family gathering so we can pray over the ways we are living sin as the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus. He wants his body to seek his face and watch how he's working and join him. You see, we've said this before. Each church has a unique assignment, and each individual has a unique assignment that can only be truly realized in a local body God has called them to. And that's what the family gathering is about. It's about that unique assignment to TBA, but it's also about your unique assignment that only can be realized when you're called to this place. See, many of you are called to this church for a time such as this, and God wants to work through that. Each of you have a unique assignment. Isn't that exciting? God, before you were ever born, has a unique assignment for you. And you're like, no, it's the person next to me because they're going to Zimbabwe or what, you know, they're going somewhere. I'll let them do it. I don't have anything exciting. No, God has an exciting life for you. He has a mission for you. He has a unique assignment. See, the family gathering is where we will seek God's will together. And I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound like not a big deal, but this is the thing that gets me jazzed. That gets me excited. What I'm going to say, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's exciting when you get to experience this. But part of the gathering is a place for the body of Christ 
to voice what God is saying to that body. And that may not sound like a big deal, but it's exciting when the Holy Spirit starts to move through the people of God and we get to join him where he's working. It's the synergy of us coming together and doing something we couldn't do by ourselves. That's how the body works. See, for some of you, you might be like, well, I don't know how or where to live sin. Actually, I'm a little scared to live sin. I'm not sure if I really understand fully what it means. But here's the deal. We all have those questions from time to time. We all have those times we're trying to figure out what God is doing and how we fit into that. See, the question is not, what can we do for you, God? See, I don't know about you, but I go to God so often, and I'm like, hey, God, what can I do for you, man? I'm here. What's up, bud? We don't say it like that. We say it a little more reverent, like, holy God, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? Peace out. Okay, that wasn't really reverent either, right? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, right? What can I do for you, God? What can I? And sometimes he comes back and he even tells us. And we're like, oh, sorry, that wasn't what I wanted to hear, right? See, that's not the right question. It's what can you do through us? God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through us? That's the right question. It's a very subtle difference, but it's important difference when we come to God. See, so often God wants the body together, all those different parts of the body, hands, feet, eyes, earlobes, knees, eyelashes, toes, those sunflowers with the diversity of gifts and talents together to live out what God is calling this body to do. So let's pretend that the pastor is the eye. We have three pastors at our church, so that makes us a really weird-looking person, right? We got the three eyes. But let's pretend the pastor is the eye. The eye will seldom get the whole picture of what God has for the church. The pastor will be one of the primary vision casters where vision comes. That's how God has put us here. But the body needs everyone to express what he or she senses. When the church puts together what each member senses, the body comes to know God's will. All the parts of the body understands God's will for the church when they listen to the whole body express what it's experiencing in the life of that body. Here's an example of what it looks like. We will pass the mic to y'all. This is just a small part of it. We're going to pass the mic to you, and you'll have two minutes or less to say, man, this is what God's giving me a passion for. This is what I think God's stirring at our church. Now, notice I said two minutes or less. Now, I know for Brian Leg and I, that's, you know, can God really speak in two minutes or less? You know, because we're kind of infamous for speaking long. But believe it or not, God can speak through you in two minutes or less. And here's the reason why. Because the body of Christ needs to speak into you too. That's why we're there. So we actually experimented with this during the Sunday night experience of God. Some of you were here during that, weren't you? There's a few of you. And they did it on Wednesday night too. And it was really awesome for you that were experiencing how God was just creating this synergy. Holy Spirit was speaking and moving. And all these different people were popping up, doing, saying different stuff. We had Celebrate Recovery. We had all this thing. And it was really cool because two of the ladies, Becca Clark and Mary Beth Rutledge, and I don't even remember what order, but they just said, man, I, I'm burdened. For young moms, I'm a young mom, and I need to know how to, to walk this out in faith. I want to be with other young moms and, and have the scriptures. And so they had this synergy started to happen, and they started this mommies group. And we're like, we want to connect with moms who've already been there, done that. They have the experience. Their kids are already gone. We need them. We need that wisdom. And they started this, and the body affirmed it in that meaning. It's a picture of what it could look like. See, at that family gathering, this is kind of what we're going to do. We're going to allow the body to speak. We'll pass the mic. And then we're going to allow the body to speak into it. See, it's the idea to understand the heart of what God is saying to you. We need to, to the body. We need to bring it to the body of Christ. 
That's when synergy starts to happen and the Holy Spirit starts to move and we allow kindred hearts to link up and join. Then we get the body praying about it and to confirm God's will and timing. It's hugely important. And here's the most important thing. We die to what it looks like. You see, it usually doesn't look like in our head. How many of you have, have, you know, God puts a desire in your heart and you're like, this is what it's going to look like. And then it looks nothing like that. Maybe a little bit. So often we need to die to what it looks like. God's calling. And then we get to do the fun stuff. We go live sent so the world will know him. So we're going to be in the book of Daniel today. And this is uh, something that God laid on my heart probably four months ago. So I don't know how sunflowers, and you'll hear about it in a second, Christmas trees and the book of Daniel all fit together with our family gathering, but I hope they do at the end of this message, all right? So we're going to be in the book of Daniel starting at chapter 1, verse 4. And just first a little background. Daniel is writing this book as the children of Israel have been deported to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar because of their sins. They've sinned against God. And so God's like, man, I'm, I'm trying to pull you in, but you're not willing. And so he takes their hands, his hands off his people. King Nebuchadnezzar comes and he deports them to Babylon. He takes them. Imagine being deported out of America somewhere else. So here we go. In the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles. Get this, this is really sad. Along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These were carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. You know times are bad when God's holy temple is ransacked. And the, the items that represent so much of who God is in heaven are taken to another temple. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Catch that. Catch that. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Now, that sounds good and innocent, right? Oh, that, that's not a big deal, right? This is a rogue thing happening here. This is a big deal. It's very, very calculated by King Nebuchadnezzar. He's trying to brainwash them. He's trying to rob them of identity. And we'll talk about it in a second. The king assigned them to a daily food amount of wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Remember that, because that's a, that's a huge thing that's happening here. But I love this next verse. But Daniel, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief, of, chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. See, King Nebuchadnezzar may have deported them, but he didn't count on a couple things. Daniel had integrity and character, and he had the favor of God upon him. I love it, it says he did not defile himself. He's being taught all this literature, all about the pagan gods, and he doesn't defile himself. And I'm going to skip to verse 17. 
To those four men, young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So Daniel's gifted. He has a gift. He can understand dreams and visions, sort of like the body of Christ receives gifts. He has a gift. Verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. So I want you to pause for a second. I want you to reflect on what it would be like to be taken out of your country and into another country far away, and everywhere you look, it's foreign. They dress different. It's a different language. It's different foods and culture, and everything around you is essentially pagan. There's idols everywhere. Can you imagine what that'd be like? Well, Nebuchadnezzar took the best of the best of royalty, catch that, and basically brainwashed them to become Babylonians. His goal is to change their identity, wash away the Jewishness, and he did this by training them in the culture and his gods. He even changes their names. I think it's important. I've got a point. Hang with me. I've got a point, but check this out. Their names, Daniel's name, in Hebrew means God is my judge. I want God as my judge, nobody else. But it's changed to Bel, one of their gods, is my judge. Hananiah, Yahweh has been gracious. Think about our God who's so gracious to Shadrach under the command of a coup. Mishael, who is what God is, to Meshach, who is what a coup is, another pagan god. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. Think about that. God is our helper. Look at his name change to Abednego, servant of Nebo. But what I love about Daniel is Nebuchadnezzar's trying to rob them of their identity. Daniel and his three friends were different. They retained who they were in Yahweh, even as they were forced to engage the culture. See, we're called to engage the culture, but they were forced to engage the culture. But they did it without compromising who they were. It's the same for us. We are called to be set apart, yet not compromise, not compromise who we are. See, we think of set apart as being totally separate from everything and everybody and anybody. But God says, I want you to engage in that culture and be set apart within that culture. See, they may have been strangers in a strange land, but they wouldn't let the culture of Babylon influence them. By the way, Babylon in the Bible represents Satan's kingdom. The Bible says we are in spiritual Babylon, and it calls us sojourners, strangers in a strange land yet called to engage the culture without compromise. And just like in Daniel, and this is one of my points, I thought this was huge because we're living sin. We're to engage the culture, but listen to what Satan wants to do. If Babylon is a picture of spiritual Babylon and Satan is, is a picture, Nebuchadnezzar is a picture of Satan, Satan wants to steal your identity by getting you compromised in the world and sin. You are royalty. If you know Jesus, you're a son and a daughter. And the way Satan comes against you is he comes, he says, you're not a son or daughter. You messed up. Did you see how you did that? See, that's what Satan does. If he can rob God's children of their identity, they won't have faith and do amazing things in the name of Jesus. And that's what's happening here. I say this because we need to understand the times we are in, how to engage in it. We don't run from it. But we also don't compromise. See, they were engaged in the culture, but they weren't ruled by the culture. So Daniel is gifted. He has the gift to interpret dreams. And in chapter 2, I'm going to just give you a brief thing that happens. In chapter 2, 
Nebuchadnezzar has a reoccurring dream from God. And Nebuchadnezzar goes to the wise men and the enchanters of Babylon, of which Daniel and his friends are part of, and says, I, I not only want you to tell me the interpretation of the dream, I want you to tell me the dream itself. He knows this is really important. Hey, listen, you can get in a room and say, hey, I dreamed this. Anybody can tell you what, what it means, right? You can hear a diversity of things. And Nebuchadnezzar is wise. He knows these people are going to pull my leg. I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And all the enchanters are like, no man can do that. And he's like, now he's mad. He's like, I'm going to kill all y'all if you don't do this. You're all dead. All the wise men, all the enchanters of Babylon, you're dead. Well, Daniel's not there when this happens, but he finds out. And I love it because it says that Daniel acts with tact. And get this, it's a picture of the body of Christ and the synergy we create together. Daniel goes to the, the body of Christ. He goes to the people of God, his three friends and the people of Israel. And what do they do? They pray. They pray. They plead with the God of heaven. They make their appeal to heaven. It says this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for the mercy of the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Notice he goes to the body and prays. I love Daniel because throughout the book, and especially here in Daniel, Daniel's always using these words, there's a God in heaven, I make my appeal to heaven, I'm going to the God in heaven, there's a Lord in heaven. I love how Daniel says, whatever's happening on earth, whatever's happening, there's a God in heaven who can tell us what's happening. All the other enchanters are like, no man can do this. But Daniel says, there's a Lord in heaven that can. And they pray, they pray that God will reveal his will to their hearts, that he will reveal this dream. So God answers their prayers. And I've been doing all this to get to here right now. This is what God spoke to me three or four months ago. It's this, this right here. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. I love you. He just starts off with worship. Man, I'm going to bless my Lord. I'm going to bless my God. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and disposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. And this is it. This is the verse that God used. Now, you guys are smarter than me, so you probably have seen this all along since you were a little, little lad. Okay, here goes. Verse 23. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you, and you have made known to Daniel, to us, the dream of the king. God hit me and said, that's what the family gathering is about right there. You go to the body of Christ. You confirm it. You bring it there. Maybe you guys have seen this before. I always thought Daniel, it was revealed to Daniel. They just kind of prayed, and it was revealed. But the whole dream was revealed to them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, any one of them could have gone into Nebuchadnezzar and said, there's a God in heaven, and this is what the dream is. Any of them could. It's cool to see how God reveals the dream to all of them, not just Daniel. It's confirmed in the body. See, Daniel and his friends, they came together. They prayed together, and it was confirmed together. Daniel was dependent on the people of God for God's will. 
They prayed about the situation and sought God's will together, and God revealed it to them together, very much like what we want to do in our family gathering. So often we're searching for God's will alone, and God says, no, you get with the body of Christ. You get with my people. We take what God has put on our heart of the body of Christ, and it's confirmed together. And here's why we need this. This is why we need this. We don't always understand what he's saying to us or what to do. Daniel didn't know the dream. Listen, remember, he's got the gift of dreams. He's got the gift to know visions and dreams, but he doesn't know. He doesn't know the dream. And so he goes to the body of Christ. While I was studying this a few months ago, God gave me a picture. It was during Christmas time. Amy, who does our decoration, had all this stuff up on the stage. So it's with a Christmas tree and this, this verse in Daniel. And so often, God puts something on our hearts he wants us to do. Have you had that moment where God gives you an impression? He gives you a passion. He does something. He gives you a desire. So let's say God gives me a desire to be a missionary. Now I want you to picture that desire as a Christmas tree, a plain Christmas tree. Nothing on it, just a plain Christmas tree. So God gives me the desire to be a missionary, but it's fuzzy about what that looks like. It's just this plain tree in front of me. And so what happens is we get excited. God's spoken to my heart. He's given me this desire. And we start to decorate the tree, right? Think of a Christmas tree. And we're putting on the little frilly stuff that's made out of foil. I don't know what, like tin or whatever. And we're putting it on and we're putting on different Christmas things. And we're decorating it. And what we're saying is this. We're like, well, this is what it's supposed to be. And this is where, where it's going to be in the timing of it. And this is what God wants me to do. And we, we decorate this whole tree. And we put this shiny star on top and say, that's God's will for me. And we get this finished product. And we take it to the church or the pastors and say, this is what I'm going to do. Sometimes we say, here's what the pastors need to do, or here's what the church needs to do. But what God wants is just to bring that tree without decorations to the body of Christ to decorate together. He wants the body to speak into that desire together. He wants others to join in or to speak godly counsel into that desire he gave you. Because when God is laying something on on your heart, he's probably laying it on a few others And when he gives you that tree, that desire, he's wanting you to bring it to the body to decorate together. Notice again, God didn't didn't reveal the dream to just Daniel, but to them all. Daniel could have been like, look, my spiritual gift is dreams. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't need you. You guys don't have the gift of dreams. I got the gift of dreams. I'm going by myself into Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't do that. He was humble. He sought what God's will was together with the other people of Israel. And God confirmed to them through the body as they sought together. See, when God wants to reveal his will to a church, he begins to speak to one or more individuals. Our job is to bear witness to the church about what we sense God is saying. See, as a pastor or pastors, we may come here and say, here's what I sense God is saying. And as a pastor, that's some of our role. But as pastors, we never assume that we know all that God has for this church. We need the body. You need us. We need each other to do this. Often it will be the blending of what God is saying to decorate the tree. You need to hear what other members are saying in order to understand fully what God is saying to you. Now, we're American Christians, and we don't like that. 
But that's the beauty of the body of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing when you have doing life with other people around you. And God is speaking into you. And that vision of desires he's giving to you is flushing out in ways you never thought it could happen. See, what you sense God wants us to do or wants you to do, it may not be wrong. It's just not complete. It needs the body of Christ for it to be complete. You may have the wrong timing of when to start it. Who knows what it is? But we need others. God wants us to decorate the tree together. And that takes dying, catch this, this is huge, dying to ourselves of what we think the tree should look like. Dying to self. I love what it says in Romans 12, one through two. You see, there's a prerequisite to this family gathering we're talking about. There's a prerequisite. In Romans 12, it says, do you wanna approve the will of God? Then there's two things you gotta do. That's what it says in Romans 12. I'm not going to put the verse up to you. I'm going to tell you the two things. So here's the two things Romans 12 says to us that are necessary to approve God's will together. We need to be living sacrifices with renewed minds. And here's why. Pride causes problems in the body. If it's about preference or position or power in that family gathering, we're in trouble. Again, we have to be rightly related to God and to each other to do this. This is why we went through a whole sermon series about koinonia, love, and fellowship. Don't assume you know God's whole will. We don't. We need you. We need the body of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us together. We decorate the tree together. Some of you might know Lindsay and and, and Brent Egley. And um, they usually come to first service, and I was like, they must be ditching, and they were serving in kids. How bad did I feel when I accused them of that from stage? That was awesome. But Lindsay Egley said this, she said the most amazing thing. We were in Experiencing God, and we had that night where we were practicing what it would look to seek God's agenda for this church together. And we had this whole thing, and, and, and all these people were standing up and saying, here's what we feel like God's saying, and here's the passion I have. And when I got back to the table, she said this. She said, people need to understand the family gathering is not a suggestion box. Suggestion box. I was like, you're right. It's not about correcting the church or a chance for me to speak about the things I changed or who offended me over in kids' ministry or youth or, or, or that. See, what this family gathering is about is a bunch of living sacrifices with renewed minds, seeing how God is moving in our church and joining him to live sent. Why? It's very simple. So the world will come to know him. God builds the body to match the assignment. We have everything we need. We may be a small church to some people, but when the power of the Holy Spirit is in us, we have everything we need. We just need to be together. We just need God's people to come together and allow us and him to move and us to listen to the Spirit and what he's saying to this church. Band, you can come up. And I want to close with this. Back in Daniel as we wrap up today. So Daniel, remember, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel interprets the dream, and it's of this huge statue, and it represents all these kingdoms, and it's made of different metals, starting from top to bottom with gold, and that represents Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, silver, bronze, and on down to the feet and the toes and the legs, where it's made of this mixture of clay and iron. And it goes down. All these kingdoms, and the last kingdom being that clay and iron, we kind of know what that, we know that is now. It was the Roman Empire. It was the, the kingdom of the Romans, the Roman Empire. Remember who was born during that time. Jesus was born during their reign. 
But in Daniel, it's a beautiful picture because this big statue is there. But this tiny rock, this stone, this small stone flies out from heaven. And it hits it one time and shatters this huge, powerful statue. It's Jesus' kingdom. He is that rock. In Daniel, it says this, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor it will be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. Spiritual Babylon will be beat down, but it, will, it itself will endure forever. The rock is Jesus, smashing the lies of the devil and his kingdoms. And that's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus has called us to do. We are little kingdom rocks, taking down the lies of the enemy in this world. That's us. We are in the process of bringing down spiritual Babylon. We're living here just like Daniel and his friends. We need to be engaged in the culture, yet set apart, not compromised. Notice that little rock. That little rock brings down the great and mighty strong kingdoms. See, we may be a small church to some people, but under our King Jesus, we can do great and mighty things to spread his kingdom all over this world. You see, we are those sunflowers. We are those sunflowers. We're not meant to be in a vase waiting on, uh, to die and go to heaven. That's not what God saved you for. We're these wild sunflowers soaking up the sun, following Jesus. That's what the world needs to see. And this only happens when we have our eyes on the sun following him. We are his sunflowers all different sizes and shapes, meant to be together. But our eyes have to be on the sun. Eyes on the sun, TBA. Eyes on the sun. Let's pray. Lord God, we are your people, called by your name. What a treasure it is, Father, to be called by the name above all names, Jesus. In Psalm 138, your word says that, Father, you have exalted your name and your word above all things. And we know that name. It's the name of your son, Jesus, the name above all names. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, I know that this little church, we can be just like you, Jesus, that stone smashing spiritual Babylon, the lies of the enemy, Father, that God, you want to use us. Holy Spirit, lead this church. Lord, begin to communicate to our hearts what you want to do through us. We are here, send us. Here am I, Lord, send me. Father, whatever you want to do, we're asking of it, God, that we live for your kingdom. We live for your agenda. That we live for your son, Father. We need you, God. We need you in so many ways. God, help us to put our eyes on you. Father, there's so many today, their eyes are not on you. And God, I pray that you heal their hearts that, God, they would get rid of the sin that so easily entangles. They would run the race with perseverance. You've called us to persevere. Father, you've told us to always keep our spiritual fervor, our zeal, as we're serving you in Romans 12. Father, may this church come alive in Christ. May we come alive in our worship to you. God, may we worship you in spirit and truth, Father. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear your words, God. May we live out your gospel, Father. God, send us, send this church. Lord, I ask that you go before us in our family gathering. Holy Spirit, you would lead that meeting. Holy Spirit, that you'd be in charge. We commit to you. We surrender ourselves to you, Lord, as living sacrifice. We crawl up on the altar.
to die to ourselves, what we think the tree should look like, what we think your will is for our life. God, we need the body. Forgive us of thinking we don't need each other. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for godly counsel. Thank you for your words, Father. I pray for your blessing upon all that are here. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to worship, there may be some of you, you don't know Jesus today. You don't know the name above all names. See, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why not bow now? Why not now choose now to worship Jesus, to give your life to him? He died on a cross for you. He died so you could be set free because you couldn't be good enough. Listen, we're all addicts. We're all crazy. We're all messed up. There's only one healing hand, and it's the nail-scarred hands that can heal you, that can set you free, that can break your chains. Jesus wants to come into your life. It's by his blood that you're cleansed and forgiven and given new life. There's some of you that don't know Jesus today. You're in the grip of the devil. The Bible says if you don't have new life in Christ, that you're a slave to Satan. You're a slave to sin. The only way to be set free is through Jesus That name is freedom. His name is power. His name is healing. It says by his stripes we are healed. He died on the cross and rose three days later so you could have life. You could be reconciled to Father God and know him and be set free and receive new life. If that's you today, the scriptures say just call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. But if that's you, we want to pray a prayer with you. I want you to get up whenever we're worshiping People won't be looking at you. They're going to be worshiping. Get up and go to next steps. We want to pray with you. And there's probably people hurting in here today. Maybe you're a believer, maybe not. But you're just hurting. And you just need people to pray with you. We want to be right back there. We want to pray with you. You need people. You need the body of Christ to come around with you and pray and know what's happening in your life. Don't do life alone. You need the body of Christ. You need a church. If you don't have a church home, you need to make this church your home if God's calling you. And for those of you that call this place home, it's time to do this family gathering. I'm excited about what God's going to do. God's going to do great things if we'll be obedient and live intentionally to him. Let me pray one more time. God, we thank you for this time to worship you, that we get to be here and worship you. Father, we thank you that all over the world, people are worshiping you. God, isn't that awesome? Father, to think that there's people all over this world praising your holy name. And just as Daniel prayed, you are the God that has all power, might, and wisdom. All power and wisdom is yours, God of heaven. You are the Lord of heaven. We make our appeal to you, oh God, for this church and for our lives. Father, that you would cause us to die to ourselves and pick up our cross and follow you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand and let's continue to worship.